Well, Steve, in over 50 years supporting this club, I've, I've never really known a season where we've started so poorly and ended in such superb fashion. Do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, I suppose. If, if, if I don't think we, uh, we've ever started brilliantly in the Premier League when, when we've been in there, but certainly it's, um, it's captured everybody's imagination, the turnaround, isn't it? When you look back to those first uh, ten games, we lost nine of them. We were six points adrift, uh, bottom of the table. Everybody's favourite to go down. Did you think at that point that it was going to be a, a, a real struggle this season or did you think that we could turn it round? I, I really thought we could turn it round. Um, it was obviously going to be a struggle. I think the division's very competitive and, and, and difficult and every game's hard fought and points are hard to come by and the games are bigger events in some ways you know there's a bit longer between the games and the, the build up to them is bigger and everything around them is bigger pressure on everybody's greater um, so yeah I definitely thought it would be difficult but you know you can ask anybody that was around me at that time I never I never doubted that it was possible for us to do it you mentioned pressure there. When we got promoted um, back last May, did you realise just how much work was going to be needed to get the club ready for a season in the Premier League? Um, I probably didn't realise the, the, the rules on, on the, which they changed you know, quite dramatically in terms of facilities for the media that came about. So, so that was a bit of a shock because there was just physically a lot of work to do. Obviously, on the player side, I wasn't deluded. I mean, I, I, I tend to be thinking ahead, you know, um, and from a pressure point of view, I, I, I put quite a lot of pressure on myself anyway before people are even thinking about the things that... Um, but, but also, you know, there's some things that you can only do at the time. You know, you can't... You can worry as much as you like. You know, you, you, you can't buy players until you know you've got the money to buy the players and a lot of things happen in a transfer window and people become available, you know, it's a bit of a... Yeah, every now and again you'll have a target and you'll just laser-like, you know, go to them and, and, and get them. But a lot of the time you're sifting through what's available, who's, who's likely to leave, who wants to leave obviously trying to get as much value for money as you can and, and we had a very thin squad I've said it countless times it was really thin and I don't think people realise you know it isn't just the 11 that play or the 18 that are part of the, the match day squad it's, it is the 25 and beyond you know that train with them every week and give them competition every week you know Tom Ince and, and, and Wayne Hennessy arrived you know and I think that puts pressure on the people that are in the team and you know, Jules has never needed anything to perform, but I think we've maybe even seen Jules perform at an even higher level than, than he's done in the past, you know, and, and some of the things that maybe, you know, he's, he's been highlighted as, as slight deficiencies in his game, you know, he's, he's, he's improved even on those, you know, coming for crosses and, you know, I think he's been, he's been exceptional. So, you know, the people not in the team put pressure on the people in the team. Tom Ince, when he came, I think he lifted everybody in January, you know, just, gave, you know, Gives people belief, makes people think we're serious about what we're trying to do. Got the goal when he when he started, put in a couple of good performances, and then get got kept out by a, by a resurgent Jason Punchin who, who who couldn't stop scoring winners. You know, so yes, I, there were certain things that I was a bit caught by surprise in terms of the the non-playing side, but the playing side we knew that there was a lot of work to do. In. After those first ten games, I um, I interviewed Ian before every one of them, and uh, I never got the feeling that he really wanted to go. Was it a surprise to you when he said that he really felt that he couldn't do anymore? Yeah, I think he got you know he had a bad night at the Fulham game. Um, 
so much sort of optimism before, you know at the start of the game with Map scored and and then I don't know it it, it, it had an effect on him you know I, I was upstairs chatting to some guests I wasn't even really thinking to I popped down and said hello and and he called me back down and he, and he said he didn't think he could he could carry on and and he and he, f- he felt that you know the team couldn't play the way he wanted them to play they weren't they weren't responding to him he he, he always thought that you know his half time team talks he, he would get a fantastic response out of players and didn't feel that he'd got that in the, in the Fulham game and, and that he felt the time had come. I obviously left it a while for him to think about it, you know. I wanted him to come back to me and say, no, look, I've had a night's sleep and get that last night, you know. I, I realised we need to adapt slightly, but I've got a plan and it'll be OK. But but he didn't, you know. He, he, he was fairly staunch on the fact that, that he wanted to go. And obviously, if you've got a manager that doesn't believe, you know, you need a manager that, that believes. So, and, and I spoke to a few prospective managers then in that period that didn't believe that we could stay up you know managers that said well really you're, you're planning for next year in the championship that that was what you know I was I was quite frequently told in, in interviews the employing of uh, Tony Pulis as manager that, that was quite an in, inspired choice wasn't it yes um, yeah I mean I inspired choice I mean it was a it was a if you want to stay in that division a fairly obvious decision really um, people asked me why I took so long over it I think I had concerns about you know the style of play that Tony was known for and I would possibly be as guilty as everybody else of being ignorant of, of the reality of that and watched Stoke that many times but they were I have to say when we played them they were pretty <laughs> and I think they were particularly enamoured with coming to Sellers Park to play us in the League Cup or whatever we played them in and, and it was pretty industrial fair that night and, and I actually thought that we didn't really have the personnel to play that way. That was my concern. You know, I, I didn't see us really having a team that was capable of playing off second balls and, and getting lots of people in and around defenders, you know, and, and really winning lots of long aerial competitions. So, but obviously having a chat to Tony and realising that he was far from one-dimensional and more than capable of adapting his style of play and just getting to know him a little bit gave me the confidence plus the track record. that, And also seeing other people, you know, people don't realise that, you know, you contextualise Tony in, the, in uh, seeing other people. You know, we, I looked at the, the foreign manager option, somebody to take us forward in a, in, a, in a style that maybe everybody would idealistically want. And again, I didn't feel we had the personnel, and I think that's harder to, you know, if you haven't got the people that, that can do that, you really are going to struggle if, if, if a manager is absolutely resolute on playing that way. And also I just felt that experience in the division was so important. I'd, I'd seen what the division sort of did to Ian, the scrutiny on a manager and the um, pressure from the media and, and the fans. and Everything's just big, you know, it's just big. It's global and it's big and it's endless, the amount of column inches and, and interest that there is in it. And, and particularly in the, that central figure, the protagonists, the ones that are in front of the camera every week representing the team and the club, getting asked questions that probably sometimes they find irritating and stupid and, and, and it's hard to keep you cool in that environment. Um, and I think to be dropped into it, I think we've seen that situation in, in the window, to, you know, to get dropped into it is almost impossible. In the January transfer window, to come from a, 
you know, a, a number two job or a position of of in a in a smaller league somewhere. I think it's it, it, even from the championship. I think it's a it's just a huge step up, and also just in the way you run and manage things. You know, it's a different, completely different challenge managing players that are on the kind of packages that players are on in the Premier League to managing players in the in the, in, in the Championship or similar kind of league. So, you need to use your staff a lot more. You know, you need to have a lot more management skills, and I don't mean just managing the players, but managing a team of people that help you manage the players, getting the best out of them. Um, and I had seen that. I mean, with with you know, Dougie was good at managing, you know, the Scotties and the Alexes and, the, and 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 involving everybody. And Tony takes that to another level. You know, with Jerry and David and Keith and Ben, and you know, he's got these little tentacles out into the first team, and he, he takes on board everybody's point of view. He makes the decisions, but he's open to input and ideas and things that other people have seen that maybe he hasn't noticed. And you could tell all that when, when I was talking to him. So it became became an obvious decision, and when I'm making decisions, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm not really looking for the definite yes right from the start. I'm looking for well, that I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's going to work, and that eventually leads you to if you if, well, why is that not going to work? Well, he's a foreign manager, never managed here, no experience of the division. Okay, so experience of the division, you're feeling that's really important. You know, you've got to get a sense of that as you talk to people. I do anyway. Maybe some people are just they know what they want instantly. Um, I don't know. I would suggest there's quite a lot of knee-jerk decisions gone on that have proved to be not as successful as our. Maybe in the future that might change, but agonising over it and worrying about it and thinking about it for a long time and my recipe for getting the right decision always have been, and while I'm doing it, they probably always will be. And the way the players have reacted to Tony coming in, Tony seems to have got the best out of them, doesn't he? Yes, I think it's um, he knows how to play to people's strengths. Management to me is about looking at what you've got and making it work. And obviously, he did that in before January window. You know, we had some good wins and good performances because performances really build belief. Everybody talks about belief, but you can't get belief without performances. You can get belief when you're getting beat, as long as you're getting beaten, but you're performing well and maybe they just haven't quite got the rub of the green. You've got to convince people that get people's trust. So I think very quickly. He's telling people to do certain things. It's working. They believe him. He believes in them a bit more because he can see that they can do it. And, and you very quickly build from there. Also, he's just not somebody you mess around, is he? You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very, very nice man who doesn't suffer fools. There's a very clear opinion of, of you know, experience. It's that word, experience. You know, he knows what works. He knows what doesn't. doesn't waste time and energy experimenting too much. Um, and he works it all out in the training pitch. And he worked out very quickly that, strangely, what we had was a Palace side, a classic Palace side. You know, resilient, strong, hard-working, good team spirit, good team ethic, fan club, everybody behind them. And then we're, you know, two really quick wingers, wide men. Um, and, and, and from that, he built a style of playing that that's, it's all clicked. And I think Tony would accept, we'd all accept that it's gone beyond our expectations but then again you know Tony's a warrior he, he said to me we've got to be safe before Man City because if we're not safe and then we lose to Man City which we you know I'm only saying that now because we have you know, obviously then a tough game against Liverpool anything could happen there and then you're going into a last day decider with a relegation candidate like you so you know it's that kind of planning and worrying about it and that, that, that's worked 
this time. You mentioned uh, a little earlier there about the uh, the backroom staff that Tony has. Has part of the key been that uh, he's got that team behind him and everybody's been pulling in the same direction? You know, it's not just it's not just Tony, the backroom staff, the players, but it's the fans and everybody around the club seems to be really focused. I think I've said it since day one when I arrived here. You know, you, you can't until we get to a point where we've got the balance sheets that these other clubs have got. That's what we've got. <laughs> That's our thing. That's what gives us a chance because we keep all of our energy moving the thing forward. Whereas in a lot of organisations, maybe that's not the case. So we, we use more of our resources to move forward than, than, than other people and we need to keep that going. Next year, possibly, we'll, you know, it will definitely be even harder than this year. Now there's a level of expectation. I don't think... Anybody would think that it's going to be any easier. We've got to add some quality. That brings its own challenges. Got to get the right characters as well to maintain that spirit. And um, it's it's a really delicate time for us the next two or three years to try and establish ourselves. And what I've got to think about is is you know what we do. I think right now I've got to try and give the management team as much money and resource as possible to get us the best players. And, and by that. I mean, again, we, we've got to not make mistakes. Um, I mean, my report card for us overall on transfers would be okay. You know, I think we did we did well. I think the delusion that every single player you ever buy is going to work out. And, and as I say, sometimes they don't deliver in the first team. They just make the whole place better and, and lift you up from where you are. So I, I think we did all right. In the, in the, in, in, certainly if you put the two transfer windows together, we did... We did really well, and from a, I think from a, if you if you look overall at what we got for the money, I think we it, it's exceptional. Um, within that, because we we were buying what was available and trying to spread the you know the the, the 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 cost through a whole sort of squad. Obviously, you can't make everybody better than they were. You know you can't. But if you look at the the value for money that we got in some areas far outweighs the odd mistake that we made. You know, um, Shamak on a free and, and, and on reasonable money as well because often people say I've got on a free but they're just paying it all in the in the wages, you know. Um, punch on loan first of all and then we bought in January. I mean, I've seen what people are claiming we bought him for in January. We didn't pay anything like that, you know. I mean, we, we, you prepared to say what it was? Um, no, I don't think it's really fair but we got... We, 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 we got a good deal on that one, but then we got a good deal on that one because, you know, he, he played really well afterwards. He played pretty well before, but he played a lot better afterwards, you know, and I think sometimes that happens. You know, you, you show a confidence in a person and we gave him a long contract, took a bit of a risk on the, on, you know, if we had got relegated, really, that was probably the biggest risk because obviously he had a contract at Southampton which was unlikely they were going to get relegated. So, he, he, you know, it was difficult to when he had two or three years left on that contract to start talking about relegation clauses. Um, so so that we took a bit of a risk there, but um, it was all budgeted in and we could have managed it. And, and he's a great character. You know, I thought he was great around the place and in all the games I saw, he was one of the few right from the start who didn't feel phased by being there because he'd played there before. And I think he gave everybody else you know, that hadn't played there before a bit of belief. Arguably, were the signings in the January transfer were they the most important ones? 
I think we've been doing okay up to them, but I think you know, you know, Gabs just did brilliant for us, didn't he, at centre back? But he's he's not he's no spring chicken. He'd be the first to admit. And I don't know how many games he played up to the end of the season, but we'd already had him at the limit of every time he felt his hamstring, I was panicking that he would. And and then you know we were Paddy wasn't really back properly, and so I think the Scott Dan for me was a was a pivotal sign. Not not denigrate, you know. He's just he's twenty six, twenty seven. You know, he's in he's in the prime of his career, and um, I think he's been just outstanding. I think the best thing you can say about him is a lot of the time you don't really notice he's there. He's so unruffled and unfussed. I mean, that was Tony. You know, I, that was just Tony. Tony knew the player had tried to sign him at Stoke. Um, I wasn't that familiar with him at all. Um, but I've been so impressed with him. And, and when you look at the money that people have paid for central defenders that maybe aren't going to be in a division this year, uh, and I think he's much better than, than all of them. And the arrival of uh, Hennessy seems to have brought uh, the best out of Julian, doesn't it? Yeah, I said it earlier. I think Julian, you know, been great for us for many years. I think there are certain things that you need to do in the in the, in the Premier League. You know, you do need to command that area for the high balls because the, the strikers are so clever. They're so clever at pinning defenders and, and drifting off people. And so anything in that six-yard area and a little bit beyond, you know, you've really got to come and command. And I think... and. I think the advantage is you don't get clattered quite as much because the, the scrutiny is on, you know, there's so many more cameras and, you know, you don't get people leaving an elbow in quite as often, I think, on the keeper. So Jules has just gone up another level, hasn't he, I think, since January. He's always had that shot-stopping ability, but sometimes you just would have been concerned with the high balls and stuff, and he's been sensational, just first class. I can't think... Everyone says Marshall. I don't watch Marshall a lot for Cardiff, obviously, but... I can't see anybody, for me, who's been better in that division. Steve, Julian is, is one of a number of players who's out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, when I spoke to Tony about it, I think he, he sort of suggested that he was leaving all of those negotiations to you. Um, what is the situation with the players that are coming up out of contract? Are, well, the, are you talking to them at the moment? There's so many. <laughs> Tony decided with me that it, we just we couldn't get into that. You know, the... the as soon as you start talking to one, two, five, six players about contracts, it overtakes everything. Um, and it wasn't the time, you know, the, the time and the place was to keep the side up. And also, frankly, when the manager comes in, every player starts with a blank sheet of paper, you know, and they've got to prove themselves to that manager. So, look, Julian will definitely be offered a contract. You know, there's no, there's no question that, 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 that Julian Sperone won't be offered a contract at the club. The stage of his career, it's got to be right for him, and it's got to be right for as much as it's got to be right for us, you know. So, as we, as soon as the last two games are over, we'll be making all of those decisions, looking at the budgets, looking at what we can afford to pay everybody, what we think, where we think we want to be, what money we need for improving the squad, um, and and. But Julian and Julian's known for a long time that we'll, we'll, we'll put something in front of him It's that time of the year Steve where you start thinking about um, the player of the season and goals of the season are there any that sort of stand out for you as far as goals we've scored and, and who would be your your player of the season Joe Ward's obviously performed really well and if I was a betting man on who would get it I would, I would suggest from the rumblings I hear that, that, that Joe would 
I, I really like Joe. I think he's a fantastic player. And if he gets it, he deserves it. For me, punch. I know it always tends to go to strikers and, and people on the wing, but I think we've won six games. He scored the winning goal. I mean, not a goal, not a random goal. You know, the, the winning goal in, in about six games. And an extraordinary character from that penalty miss as well. And then I think we went Stoke, he scored the winner, didn't we? And another game he scored the winner. It's from Croydon. You know, he's got a box. As soon as we signed him on loan, he, he went from signing the contract to the training ground to getting a box for his family. And, and you know those little things, I think, to myself, I'm quite encouraged by that, you know. No one wants a box for their family to watch him play bad today, you know. He's, 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 he's properly into this. Coming back to a club he was at when he was very, very young and being part of the area and lot, all his families as a Palace fan. So, um, punch for me is it just everything, it says everything about our club. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's had a bit of an underdog career. He scored a trick against us on Boxing Day for, for Millwall. Unfortunately, I, I remember it well, Steve, yes. Uh, he scored a wonderful goal, of course, down at Cardiff. Uh, Dwight Gale scored a, another. Up yeah. at Villa on Boxing Day. Uh, would they be two contenders for you as goal of the season? I think Dwight's for me because that's what he's got. You know, I think he showed in an instant. And again, people look back. You know, I know Dwight will work out one way or another for, for him and for this football club. And we, we've all seen Dwight change as a person since he's been at the club. And, and I would apologise to him because I think we put a lot of pressure on him at the beginning. For you know, a young man who'd not long been out of non-league football, came in with a big price tag. It's, it was too, it's, it's not fair to do that to somebody. Um, we, we put we put put the kid in a really difficult position, and I think it affected him. And I think he went into his shell a little bit. And and now, we'll, I think we'll start to see the blossoming of of Dwight Gale. He's also got people that will teach him the game at this level Jerry and Tony and but what's really really gratifying is, is he's just blossoming as a lad you know he's he's a different lad to the kid that walked through the door um, you know he, he, he certainly say just went into his shell really and and wasn't really maybe responding great to the rest of the group and and I think Villa was great for him because it, it, it's just a wonderful goal and a wonderful three points that we out of nowhere. For, for me, Steve, yeah. uh, that was the turning point of the season. It was the first time we got out of the bottom three, and I genu- genuinely felt at that point that we had a real opportunity to uh, to get out of the position we were in. Is that perhaps the turning point for you in the season? Yeah, Hull away as well, I think. T- Tony sat next to me, you know, and at the end of it, Tony said, that's massive. Because... You go down to ten men. You just, you just all you want to do is hold on, and then little they they just fall asleep for a minute because they think they've got the game won, and probably they get on the front foot a little bit too much. And little Baz sticks, you know, sticks one in, and 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 I, I think that's we made um Tony made a film to inspire the players. Got 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 me to brief a film which we made in the studio. We maybe release it on social networks or something at some point, but it was just for the lads. And it, it starts in black and white, 
and it's all doom and gloom and there's all the headlines of could they be the worst team in Premier League history and all this stuff. And then that's the turning point actually in the film. So they're, but they're, they're, they're definitely two absolutely pivotal moments, aren't they? Last-minute goals, no chance, away wins, massive in the Premier League to get an away win. And we took six points of Aston Villa. Crystal Palace took six points. You know, that's... You know, all the time I've been growing up, what a massive club Villa are. You know, what, what a wonderful football club. So I'm not... You know, I say that with all the respect that's due to them as a football club. That it's, it's, you know, astounding that we've reached anything like that kind of level, even in a season. So, yeah, Dwight's goal for me, and an apology to Dwight for putting him in such a difficult position when he came in, and a real... I'm really looking forward to him blossoming as a, as a person and as a player and... Um, I know Tony's looking forward to having a pre-season with him and, you know, really getting to work with him properly. And uh, I'm, I'm really still hopeful that he'll be a central part of, of our team in the future. Perhaps we can uh, turn to things off the pitch. Um, where do we stand now as far as the, uh, the stadium goes? Is moving to Crystal Palace Park, is that completely out of the question now? Yeah, unless somebody shows some enthusiasm from the council or, you know, unless somebody wants us to go there. I think... If you wanted a really long-term strategy, I would suggest that our, the best thing for us to do is redevelop Sellers Park. We basically need to try and get 10,000 more seats. If we've got 10,000 more seats, then that'd be, that income-wise, that could put us up in the, in the Villa, um, West Ham, Newcastle kind of territory. We get good yield in the south because of, you, know, you tend to get more corporate and... You know, we've got all the big London teams around us that, that take a lot of corporate when when we play. And I think you can see the Palace fans are building very, very quickly. You know, they're, they're either coming back um, or we're developing new fans. I see a lot more young kids. Um, I think the under-10s go free has been a fantastic initiative for the last three years to help us build. You know, I think if there's anything there where we've shown a bit of vision... You know, and, and I don't want to stop that now. You know, for the sake of what it costs, you know, a few hundred thousand a year, and we're, we're, we've got a duty of care to this club to build a legacy for the, you know, the next hundred years, and and that's when you become a fan. You become a fan under ten years old, mostly. You know, obviously there are different reasons. Um, so we've we've, I think, built capacity on Selhurst. And I think we're looking at the main stand and the White Horse Lane end as the as the place to do that initially because the Homestead's okay. So sp- specifically, the first really big development could be the main stand, ra- rather than the Arthur Waite, or yeah, the, the, it definitely won't be the Arthur Waite. Oh, I say definitely. I mean, it, things can change, but it's very very unlikely to be the Arthur Waite. Um, I mean, the Arthur Waite's got two problems. Number one, it, it holds as many people as the Homestead, so while it's not there you've lost a massive amount of revenue. Can any, any of the major developments be done in the closed season? I mean, is that physically possible? No. It's not? No. I mean, for, for me, the White Horse Lane would be the first one to do. And I understand you, you have been talking to Sainsbury's yeah, for we've got a dialogue, some time. we've got a dialogue with them, and um, hopefully of, 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 of good dialogue with them, and, and hopefully we can move that forward. Will that mean putting a, another tier on the White Horse Lane in? Well, you know, we'd have to look at what we could do. But the, but the ideal would be, you know, you only lose 2,000 fans while you're developing that. So revenue-wise, it's not great because of the boxes. So if we could find a way of keeping 
the box is there somehow while we were developing underneath or around it, um, that would be good. But yeah, so a new stand there, maybe with some boxes as well still. And when do you think that sort of development could, could start, Steve? I don't know. I mean, the ball's not entirely in my court, unfortunately. You know, we've got we've got to work with Sainsbury's to, to, to move that forward. They've been great, so um, I don't want to announce things or talk about things until I know that we can make them happen. But that's the direction of travel. And then I think Crystal Palace Park, once we're an established Premier League club with a 40,000, 35, 40,000 seat stadium, then I think by that time the new Crystal Palace might be up there. And... You know, in a weird sort of way, that guy is going to solve a lot of issues, like, you know, transport, and you know, in order to support that. And I think then, in ten years' time, when we need a sixty thousand seat stadium, you know, twenty years' time, as, as I say to people internally, that's the next owner's problem, the Crystal Palace Park. So I think there's a good. For me, in my mind, there's a good possibility at some point once, if there's something big up there already so that people are used to the amount of people. Because this guy that's doing it up there, you know, he's got the, the, the commercial uh, carrot to fund the kind of planning expenses, transport studies, environmental studies, you know, actually because presumably of the possible income from a new Crystal Palace whatever is inside it exhibition hotel I don't know what it's going to be but you know then section 106 which is you know improving the roads and the transport infrastructure that comes part of that obviously all that will be done to support lots of people coming in and out there it will have to be and if that happens then I think in 20 years time 15 20 years time a stadium up there might just be not a big problem because it already has got the infrastructure to support that many people. So, um, you know, I think Crystal Palace could go home, but but maybe not in my reign. Maybe maybe the next person will take it there. So it kind of gives you a long-term strategy. Um, but in the meantime, I think, you know, <clears throat> if we could get a nice, tight, build on what we've got in terms of um, atmosphere, be a bit different, not go down the road of the, the concrete steel bowls really try and keep the fans hemmed over the pitch and um, I think I think redeveloping where we are is, is the best thing but you know you can hit roadblocks on this stuff and this closed season Steve um, you're redoing the pitch I understand uh, is that under soil heating is that right yeah it's more than that I mean it's it's. We, we, I think we've done a great job Mark the last groundsman's just left unfortunately but Gareth's taken over and I think the pitch looked great yesterday, you know, when you consider. So we, we've been spending about 150 grand on the pitch in closed seasons. Um, you'll notice I've taken the marquee off it. That's helped a lot because that was flattening one side of it and you can't really bring it back because you haven't got time after the... So the marquee does two things. It flattens it and it reduces the amount of time you've got to, re, you know, redo it. This summer we'll be going down about 450... Um, centimetres, about half a metre down. Truckloads of stuff will, will go out. Um, pitches are all about, the quality of pitches are all about drainage, really, um, and not covering them. So uh, if they drain properly, and we've got pretty good drainage down there, we don't really have flooding problems. I don't know if you've noticed MK Don Stadium, they've got Deso and all that, but there's no grass on it. 
because the, f the flood level came up over the pitch in the area. So yes. the whole thing was just waterlogged. We don't tend to get that. Um, but as long as you don't get that, what you just need to make sure is that the, the water soaks away. I mean, you go back to the old days, you know, even the 60s, 70s, you know, they found a field, they rolled it flat and they put grass on it. Well, of course, you've got clay and, and the water doesn't drain. And when the water doesn't drain, it sits on the top. When it sits on the top, the grass all gets ripped off. And then you've, you've got no possibility in the season to really get it back. Now, with, with um, the proper drainage, so down the 450 centimetres, you know, you'll have drains underneath and then gravel. Um, and then this layer of fibre sand, which is this special stuff that, that they use just below the surface of the grass. Um, and, then, and then in there will, will be undersoil heating. And the undersoil heating is important, obviously, to keep games on because the Premier League don't want games called off because they've got worldwide audiences. Uh, but also, they mean you don't have to cover the pitch. And when it snows and you cover the pitch, it sweats and you get moss and lumps and fungus and all sorts of problems. So um, we won't be having Deso because it's, you know they don't use Deso in places like Germany. And you look at the Stoke pitch; it's fantastic. You know Deso doesn't give you an amazing pitch, um, and there are some limitations with it. We might look to do it in the future, um, but it's about a million quid investment on the, on the pitch and the other soil, and then also the thresholds of the pitch. So I, I'm, I don't like the bit between the stand and the pitch that's all messy out there. One bit's gravel by the homes down. So that'll all be cleaned up so it looks really, uh, really pucker. And, and we'll get the advertising boards up higher as well so we try and get some more income for them because they'll be more visible rather than the moment they drop away at the, at the main stand end. So um, it's just, you know, everything we do is, is, is we do to, you know, to do it properly. New gates... Um, either in a I can't bear looking at those ramshackle gates that we've got obviously get some signage on the new covering for the main stand which I think looks you know great got a project getting all those cables that hang between the stands down and buried properly um, and all this stuff will stand us in good stead if we redevelop because it's taken us two years just to work out what all the cables are and where they go and what they do and all that sort of stuff so but other, and then a media centre. We, we we need to do, finish the media centre for the Premier League. Uh, but this, we, this will be underneath the Homesdale stand. Is that right? Me, new media uh, centre. It might not be. It depends on something else that we're working on, which is quite exciting. I don't want to talk about um, if we can if we can get that thing done, then um, it might might change where it is. But I won't say anything about that because I'm not 100 percent sure we can do it. And uh, one or two of the bar areas, I understand, are being refurbished as well. Yeah, the Stanley Stevenson's being redone. Um, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, with the main stand? I mean, we've done so many improvements to that block that Ron built, you know, the hospitality block and, and, and the right and bright and stuff, that you, you just throw, feel you're slightly throwing money away because you, you want to knock it down, really. But the, if we do the Stanley Stevenson... The idea is that we'll maybe put a staircase up to it from where the outside the boardroom, because at the moment you can only get up to it through the um, one of the towers where the, where the stairs are. Although they're a lot better now, we've, we've redone the cladding, they're not terrible entrances. But a lot of the sporting dinners will take place there rather than hotels. So we can make that pay even in two or three years. And, and obviously it's pretty... Um, people moan about the loser of their phrases, but half the problem was the roof leaked. So until we did the new cladding... 
you know, we couldn't stop the water coming in. There was no point doing anything to them. So, Stevenson, maybe have a little look at the couple, maybe move a few people around in there, um, where the VPs go and things like that. So, general improvements there. And also, we've got a couple of ideas to try and relieve pressure on the Arthur Way in terms of concourses and trying to improve both the home fan and the away fan experience. Away fans are really important to the Premier League, really important to the atmosphere, really important to the whole thing. And I think a lot of our fans that go away can see the amount of effort that other clubs are putting into making away fans feel at home. And the facilities we've got for away fans are great. Um, and North home fans in that in that area. So we're going to try and do something to improve that. Perhaps we can uh, talk a little bit about the fans this season who really have been tremendous, haven't they? Incredible, yeah. We get plaudits from everybody, don't we? Fantastic. As I said before, I, 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 if I had one complaint, I'd like a little bit more expectation from them and a little bit less nervousness, or, you know, this kind of expectation that we'll fail. You know, and uh, uh, I, I said when we were struggling and West Ham was struggling, you know, you notice the difference. You know, to West Ham fans, it's, it's not acceptable that they get relegated. It's not, they, they see themselves as a Premier League club. And I want our fans to see ourselves as a Premier League club. I, I, I don't want them to see ourselves as a championship club that are having a bit of a holiday in the Premier League. Um, I, you know, I want that pressure. I know when you get that, sometimes it gets a bit unreasonable. I think some of the stuff at West Ham, you, you know, you've got to back the manager as well and, and, and support the manager. And I know they've got issues about the style of football and all that stuff. So that's for them. But, but I li- what I do like is I like their sense of expectation and um, a little bit more of that, I think, wouldn't go amiss. I think we need to believe we belong, we, we belong here at this football club. You know, a, I said yesterday to the VPs, I'm a great believer in football. There's a natural order of things that fans, club, players, everybody buys into, and it's very hard to break it. You know, you're possibly seeing it with, with, with Everton. You know. No reason they shouldn't have got in the Champions League, really. Nothing wrong with the ability of the players. The manager's fantastic. But the nervousness when we played them there, I felt, really didn't help them. And it's, it's because you, they're used to not quite making it, you know, sometimes. And um, breaking that cycle is really hard in football. It's really difficult to, to, to take yourself from where you've always been to create a new reality, a new constancy. Um, Southampton have done it really well, I think. You know, it's a different Southampton in the Premier League now to when they used to be in the Premier League. Always on borrowed time, it was felt. You know, always battling relegation, and there's a real sense of belief and belonging at that football club now. That, that, that and we need that. You know, why not? And season ticket sales, they're uh, going very well at the moment. Really good. Yeah, I mean, the last day of the we extended the. As a, as a thank you to everybody, we extended the, the middle price band, so they'll go up again on um, on May the first. We will we will close season ticket sales at some point. I think it's very important that um, there's seats for casual fans. You know, I think I've spoke to a, a young kid, you know, that 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 can't come every week, but his dad brings him because they've got. A, young daughter who doesn't like football and, and his dad has brought him to eight or nine games and he's built a bond with the club and I, I think it's really important that you can get a casual ticket at the club so that people can you know if you create an interest they can come 
Um, so, yeah, they're going really well. I mean, again, I said yesterday, I think the 11-12 season, we sold 7,500. Actual sold ticket, 1,000 we honoured from the old regime. So 8,500. And we're pushing 15 at the moment. So it's it's fantastic for the club, but we've got to build on that, not just the fan base here, but we've got to start working on the fan base abroad because that's what you sell to sponsors and commercial partners. So got a whole set of um, marketing initiatives around that, hiring some people. Um, so we want somebody to run memberships, particularly because, you know, building memberships. I think we're looking at a whole new way of managing our content, this kind of content and um, video content. Um, I think we'll be looking at trying to make that far wider reaching and use a lot more of it, use a lot more of the fan content that they send us in. And, and use that to engage people here and abroad. So exciting times for the clubs, and we've got to capitalise on it. Um, and the new kit for next season, when, when can we expect to uh, see that? Yeah, the new kit's um, uh, launched at the uh, Player of the Year, I think. I, I, we're 99% sure that it, we'll, we'll have it in time for the Player of the Year. Um, and, yeah, so, and, and, and some other exciting developments that, that may happen there as well, so... And uh, things don't stop in the close season, really, do they, Steve? You've got the uh, comedy night coming up and the, the beer festival. Um, quite a lot happening around Selhurst. Yeah, I think it's really important that we, you know, we, we continue. You know, the, the money for the academy is significant, but it's not just that. I think they're real links to the community, you know, and they give people that, you know, spouses and, and, and um, kids families maybe where there's family members that aren't as interested in football you know they, they give um, they give people a, a, a way of being part of the club um, I mean the beer festival Stephen's thing I would never have thought of it you know I think it's poison the stuff they drink personally but um, they all seem to love it and it's great it's a great day for the club and it utilises the facilities of the club and um, Eddie doing the comedy night I think is really a bit special really special I mean he's a global star and he's really engaged with the club he loves what we're doing and, and, and he, he rang from wherever he was LA or wherever and said to Stephen I want to do a, I want to do something I just feel so he's just reconnected me with my youth and, and the area and and I, and I just want to do something so um, when Max is doing his night for the younger fan probably at, at Brixton Academy I think again so that's that's another great event. So all levels, you know, and in, in, in all, you know, whether you're a real Al enthusiast or, a, you know, somebody who, who likes watching comedy, and of course, I think Kevin Day, and who's a fantastic supporter of the club. I know he does stuff with you, and brilliant bloke, you know, just do anything to help out. And I think he's getting some of the fans that, you know, we, we all know we're overweight comedians with Joe Brand and. Mark Steele and some of the ones I haven't met and I'm going to do it uh, Sean Hughes sent me an email congratulations he's got a radio show I'm going to go and do that with him so um, it, it, it's and Susanna Reid who just started this morning she sends her thanks so it's, it, it's I think all these people that were born around South London and, and have reconnected with the club and I think that's one of the things that I certainly wanted to do when I came in was make it accessible again to people, make people feel like we're all part of it. And my, what's really important now, and 
I said something to the VPs yesterday, and they started asking me about the manager. I was the manager. Start. What, what I said was, this football club needs to be institutionalised to the extent that it doesn't matter whether I'm here or Tony's here or, you know, in five, ten years, that the, the thing is on a much better footing and it's got an organisational structure um, that, that, that constantly moves it forward and it's not dependent on, on one or two people. That's got to be the aim of... And, and I've always wanted to make it about everybody and, and everybody feel like we're all part of the success and we're all part of the achievement. And I think all of those events, us reaching out in the community in whatever way, I think, uh, you know, and the things the foundation do with young people and the academy and the part that plays in the local community is a focal point for all the other football academies. It, it's just all really important and it, it does mean there's a lot to do all the time, but... Um, it's a fantastic time to be a Palace fan and it's just really important that we don't waste this opportunity and we make sure that we we establish ourselves in the only league that you really want to be in in the world, which is which is the English Premier League. So uh, finally, Steve, uh, what, what are your hopes and expectations for next season? We know that we're going to have a pretty much a, a middle table finish this season, whatever happens in the last couple of games. Can we better it, perhaps? I think we've got to be realistic. I, I, I think if, if you know we've excelled, you know, I don't know what we're going to finish, but tenth, eleventh, something like that, maybe twelfth. I mean, it, I think people have got to be realistic. You know, if we did that again next year, if, you know, if we smack that in for three or four years running, you know, I think probably the aim would be a little cup run. I think a bit of glory wouldn't go amiss in this club as well. You know, I think if we could manage a I think they're eminently winnable those two cups now, because of the sides that the, you know, the, the bigger teams put out in the early rounds sometimes. So I think that should be the aim. Let's get a bit of glory, you know. Let's get this club to another cup final. Let's win it. Let's put some pots in the cabinet, you know. That in the end, that's what it's all about. You know, that's it's what you play and compete for is to is to try and win things. So I think. It's not unrealistic goals. It might have happened next year, but you know that's I think what, what we'll be configuring the side to do is to is to be solid in the league and and be, finish as high as we can. You know, obviously, but but establish ourselves in the league and then realistically, you know, have a run at, at, at maybe try and get a cup run. You know, I mean they're they're knockout games, so you can't. You, know, you can get, but but put a bit of effort into that. I think would, would be probably what Tony and I would be would be thinking about doing. Well, Steve, thanks very much, and uh, well done for this season. Thank you. Thanks Thank a you. lot.